he's going to be not only preaching, but also um, he's got an activity for the kids that he's going to tell you all about too. So, Heavenly Father, we lift Bruce to you. We thank you for him. We pray that you bless the message that he will bring to us. And we pray that by your spirit, you'll fill him with a conviction and certainty about your word and about its impact for us. So we pray for your blessing upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. God's people were captured and taken away to the country of Babylon. The king of that country was named Nebuchadnezzar. Three young Israelites, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worked for King Nebuchadnezzar. But when the king wanted them to bow down and worship a golden idol he made, they wouldn't do it. We can't. Let's go. So the king called for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is it true that you did not worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you a second chance to bow down and worship, or no god will be able to save you from my power. Nebuchadnezzar, you certainly have the power to throw us into the furnace. And our God has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not worship your statue. The king was furious and told his soldiers to heat the furnace seven times hotter than usual. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in. But guess what happened? The men in the furnace didn't burn up. God sent someone to protect them in the furnace. The king was surprised when he saw four people walking around. So he told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out of the furnace. And the king made a new law. No one would be allowed to say anything bad about the God of Israel. for the kids pretty much of whom we've got a couple up the back there and a few down the front and Lexi's around somewhere so kids rather than sit there just getting bored and so on Damo has very creatively constructed these colouring in drawings 
which you can come down to the front and colour in while all this is going on. And there's a pull down. Now I'm told you can only pull it down once, so I don't want to pull it. Oh yeah. So if you pull it down, you see the fourth person. Yeah, in the fire. So if you want to come down, kids, please come down. You can colour it in, you can pull the thing down and you can see who the fourth person is. And the adults all know, of course, who is the fourth person? Jesus. Yes. The fourth person in the fiery furnace is Jesus. Don't worry, we're going to go into adult time now. He entered the furnace to deliver the three boys. He gave them life. He overcame death and miraculously proved that he is able to conquer death and give deliverance. Even Nebuchadnezzar was impressed. Death was defeated when Christ was raised. He is risen, the angel said to the women at the tomb. Go and tell the disciples. 2 Timothy 1.10 reads, But now has been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus took upon himself the punishment that was meant for us, for humanity. When he was crucified on the cross at Calvary, he took on the punishment for us. He released us from the curse of sin which came after the fall. Death was born when Adam rebelliously ate the apple in the Garden of Eden. He knew he had been forbidden by God to eat the apple, but he went ahead anyway. God had said, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And die he did. And so have all Adam's offspring, that is, everybody, ever since. Paul says in Romans 8 too, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. But if death was defeated by Christ, how is it that we all still die? If everybody has died ever since Adam, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? And if we have eternal life in Christ, what does eternal mean? Is not eternal for all time? Does eternal not include now? Life now? As well as in the future? If we are in Christ and he is in us, then we have eternal life and it's already begun. We read in 1 John 5.13, 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not necessarily will have, but have. So the answer... Uh-oh. The answer to my question is in the resurrection. The boys in the furnace were delivered from death, demonstrating that God has power over life and death. Of course he does. He made us. In the resurrection of Jesus, that is, three days after Jesus was crucified dead, he came back to life. In the resurrection of Jesus, death was defeated. Spurgeon said this way, Christ is one with his people. When Adam sinned, the whole human race fell in him. For they were one with him, and Adam all died. Now, Christ is the second Adam, and all believers are one with him. And because he rose again, they must rise again. He lives, and they shall live. Now, it may be hard to accept that eternal life has already begun, let alone to believe and to live in this knowledge. Surely, if we believe we are already living eternally in Christ, will that belief not reflect, be reflected in the way we live? It must follow that our life choices will be both directly and indirectly informed by a sense of great freedom. We'll have huge confidence. There will be a resounding peace and hope. We will be built up in empathy for each other and for other people. We will live our lives in thankfulness. We will become stronger, resilient. We'll have power and a sense of wonder at the mystery and grace of God. Our demeanour will take on gentleness, kindness, humility, and the Holy Spirit will cause in us righteousness and holiness. All this because we know that in Christ we have eternal life. It's already begun and in God's time, there will be a resurrection of the body after it goes to the grave. Paul was adamant, there will be a resurrection. If not, he said in verse 19 of today's text, Christians are the most to be pitied of all people. If there is no resurrection, then our preaching and our faith is useless. Punishment's in control and Jesus is dead. Once the disciples had met the risen Christ, nothing could stop them from preaching their message. The resurrection was the fundamental premise of what they believed and preached. Such is the power of the gospel to change, to challenge, and to charge men and women. Jesus says, John 11, 25, 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that brings us today's, to today's text. You've already heard it read, but I will read it again. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. The resurrection is essential and eternal. An essential and eternal element of our human condition for the Christian believer. Just think about all the books, novels, poems, films, songs, conversations, discoveries, histories that have been created by authors and composers and directors. All of these are expressions of life that describe aspects of the human condition. Example, the ways we feel love or sorrow or loss. Experiences in life like, for example, the wonder of childbirth, the building of a city, achievement of goals, victories or loss in competition, striving, waiting, Lost my spot. Uh, here it comes. Seeing a child grow and learn. Any one of these random things are part of the human condition. And I'm saying so is the resurrection. Colours, rainbows, birds singing, the ocean and wind roaring, touching silk, tasting chilli olives, Yum. The human condition. The resurrection is part of the human condition. But do we actively live in the belief, knowledge and motivations of God's grace in his wondrous design for us, made possible by resurrection life in Jesus? Again, once the disciples had met the risen Christ, nothing could stop them from preaching their message. Their resurrection, their resurrection was the fundamental premise of what they believed and preached. Such is the power of the gospel to change, challenge and charge men and women. But also, let's take stock. Let's not get too carried away. Spurgeon says these three things. 
Our eternal hopes do not depend on our moral condition. For these people in Corinth who Paul was writing to would not have been any better off or any worse off if Christ had not risen from the dead. The reason of us being safe is not the result of what we are, but of what Jesus did. Secondly, the great hope we have does not hinge even upon our spiritual state. We must be born again, but still, our ultimate hope is not in what we are spiritually, but in what Jesus is. Us being forgiven and saved does not depend on our sincerity or our earnestness. We may be very sincere and we may be very earnest and yet be wrong all the while. And regarding the moral law, believing and living in Christ, we are justified by our faith. Being free from the law of sin and death does not mean that we can defy the law or break the law without consequence. In freedom, we obey the law, not in fear of punishment, but rather because the law is good, good for the world and good for other people. My grandson likes to fill a bucket with water and take it to the sandpit. I say to him, be sure to turn the tap off. He's only six, so he turns the tap off because he's been told to do it. But when he matures, he will freely and willingly turn the tap off because he will understand that he needs to save water. And that is important for the world and for other people. Christian freedom is something like that. We freely choose to obey the law as the Holy Spirit directs and enables us for the good of the world and others. Man was created from the beginning to be eternal. And God did not take that away after man's fall. The question to be asked then is, where will we spend the rest of eternity? Christians who are sealed with Christ... Uh, Christians who are sealed will be with Christ. The unsaved will live eternally separated from God. So the answer to this question is, we as Christians have eternal life now, but as to the fullness that God wants us to have it, we're not perfect yet. That comes later. We are all slated to die, but in death is not the end of life. Paul writes in Ephesians, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Christians who pass away go to be with the Lord in soul and spirit without the imperfect physical body. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, I tell in truth, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now when Christ returns, 
Some say to set up his physical kingdom on earth. Others say we will be taken to heaven. But whatever, both the dead and living in Christ will put on incorruption. And we will commence living life forever as a perfect human being the way God originally envisaged us to be. 1 Corinthians 15, later on in the chapter that we're on today. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Not so for the unsaved. They will rise at Christ's second coming to be judged and eternally estranged. And either they will stay where they are when they died or still live with all the horrors that we face now in this world in eternal separation for God and eventually perish. Sounds like hell to me. When we accept God's ways as the rule of our life and believe, we are born in the spirit by faith. We must take God at his word we do not have to die to have eternal life, but if it, be, it begins when we step into faith. Romans 8, 9 to 11. But you are not in the flesh. The spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life through his spirit who dwells in you. Surely, we have great hope and confidence in our future, even in the midst of all life's challenges, especially at present. We have eternal hope, and beyond all comparison, eternity with Christ is far weightier than our current transient life. Let's not lose heart and give way to fear. Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Finishing now. Worship with me, brothers and sisters, as we declare the unfettered mercy and the immutable grace of our God who listens to the anguish of our cries, and is concerned by the pains we suffer. He sends his son to save, to forgive, and to reconcile us to himself. And all of this is witnessed in the testimony of the resurrection of Christ. And finally, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, even when we were dead in our sins, made us live together with Christ. Short but meaty. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, give us ongoing and fresh understanding and belief in what life is to be in Christ, now and for the future. Lord, help us to be at peace, to have confidence and hope, to be kind, to be gracious. Help us, Lord, to know our place and not become boastful or overly confident. Help us to look to our glorious future in the resurrection and eternal life with Christ Jesus. Amen.